Welcome to part two of our interview with rock and roll legend W.S. Holland. If you haven't heard part one yet, feel free to do so now. You'll be a real cool cat if you do. Welcome back to uh, our Jackson home. We are here in the home of W.S. Holland. Uh, so, W.S., you um, you mentioned it to it earlier, but you kind of moved to Jackson the same time as Carl Perkins and his brothers were. Uh, how did you guys meet? How Carl and his two brothers and me met is another kind of a weird story. <clears throat> I actually met Clayton Perkins, his younger brother, first. And there was a street in Bemis back then called Hicks Street. And it's kind of on the way to school where J.B. Young High School was. And there was a restaurant long about where Hicks Street was. And I would stop by there every once in a while. And Carl and, and uh, his family just lived right down the street just a couple of houses down on Hick Street there and Clayton would be up at that restaurant a lot of times and that's where I met him mm-hmm. and he was such an unusual type fellow that uh, he, something about him just, just made me just really like right off mm-hmm. and we became good friends and that's when I'd start going to some of the places they were playing mm-hmm. so th- that's why when I met Clayton uh, that's when I met the rest of the guys and and that was the beginning of getting in the band. And it just as easy as that. That's yeah. that's so neat. Now, had Valda, had he met Valda at that point? I don't think I'd met Carl at the time I met Clayton. I met him. And uh, then at that time, they had the band, though, Carl and right. Clayton and Jay, just the three of them. Mm-hmm. And they were playing some of the clubs around Jackson, like the El Rancho out here in the – and there's a club called the Sand Ditch and Hayes Haven and uh, several little clubs around here. The one they were playing at the, the night he asked me to uh, go with him to Memphis was a hilltop inn down the, below Meaden on Highway 18. So uh, I met Clayton first and then, then met the rest of them. Gotcha. Um, so you guys went around and toured with, with Carl and – um, Carl's left an indelible mark upon our city. Carl Perkins was probably, well, there's no doubt about it at the time. And, and of course, I can say remained that way. He, he, was, a, he was the most talented mm-hmm. person that, that I've ever met because, <clears throat> now, of course, people talk about people with talent. And on the Elvis has started in the, in, in the middle of the year, and then we, we started at the end of the year. But Carl, what he did that, that the rest of them didn't do, he wrote his material, he played the guitar, mm. and performed, and sang the song, did it all. Mm. He, he was a, a super talented person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the, the Broadway play that they do now, I talk about a lot, the, the problem they have getting somebody players in that play 
is is one reason because of Carl because they they try to get somebody to do Carl mm-hmm. that can do the guitar and and also do the guitar work with John and all that so it's hard for him to get somebody to do Carl mm-hmm. for the Broadway play because I make a joke out of that they don't have any <clears throat> they don't have any trouble finding somebody to get John they don't have any trouble finding somebody to get Jerry Lee and Elvis. But the big problem they have is getting somebody in the band to play drums as pretty as I was in 56. <laughs> um, well, but, but back to Carl, all those years, he, he was amazing. And 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 he, he could do things that nobody else can do. And that's one reason that I learned to play what I started to say good, but I better not do that. I better say play the reason some people think I'm play good is because of him. He 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 didn't know where to play except in the groove. Mm. And I think, you know, we talk about rockabilly and rock and roll. <clears throat> uh, a lot of people will, will, will get rock a rock and roll a rockabilly first you know but actually what happened back then there's all kinds of music played and whatever town or part of the country you was in it'd be the type of music that was being played like in new york jazz uh memphis blues and and western swing in the west polka up in in different parts of the country now there was some people making music that later was named rock and roll mm. like joe turner had a record shake rattle and roll mm-hmm. and uh the comments had rock around the clock but but the word the term rock and roll had never been mentioned and then in 54 when elvis come along and then carl and let's do what we do somebody said man that's rock and roll and that's then f- everything became rock and roll from there back because it was the same style mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, another year or something like that, somebody up in the north that kind of kind of made fun of us, Hillbilly Hicks, mm-hmm. said, "Man, them Hillbilly Hicks down there in Tennessee said there's a music called Hillbilly country and said." we need to change that name or we need to start a new name. Let that be Rockabilly. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of got, and it all start happened because of, of Carl Perkins doing what he did. Mm-hmm. And he, it was just, a, and, and it was, it was not, it was nothing that, that anybody's really thought anything about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. We didn't think anything about it. Nobody thought anything about it. It's just the things that happened then and and it was so different and that will keep happening yeah music the music nowadays is so different people like it Mm -hmm. you never know you're making history until after the fact yeah well let's talk a little bit about johnny cash um you started touring with johnny uh as the carl perkins how did that transition happen well, it was 1960, and, and Joyce and I were, were, we'd got married, and I was going to get a regular job, so I'd be at home, get a get a job, uh, having getting a paycheck every Friday, mm-hmm. and 
I got a call from Johnny Cash. He uh, he got a big booking up in uh, New York, and he said that Martian Luther don't make enough noise. The big building said, "Go with me for those two weeks." Mm-hmm. Said I've heard you play, and you make a lot of noise. <laughs> so I went those two weeks, and those two weeks lasted almost forty years, mm-hmm. and. R- I didn't get to just do the two weeks, so yeah. we went up to uh, the to the place in New York first week, and then came down to Atlantic City at the Steel Pier Theater there for the second week. And we're in about middle ways of the thing, and in a, I, I, I hope I don't ever forget this story, but if I do, it's been recorded enough. Uh, we're in the dressing room, and John says, hey, I like what's going on. He said, I'd like for you to play with me occasionally. <laughs> and I said, John, I can't do that. Just getting married, and uh, I won't get me a job, so I'll have a payday every week. I, I can't work just occasionally. He said, well, what I mean by that, I'm going to try to, I'm going to book 15, maybe 20 days a month, maybe 100 days a year for sure. And I'd like to have you work with me as long as I'm in the business. Mm. And I said, well, that sounds like a regular job. He said, I believe it would be. So I called Joyce that night and told her that I decided to stay in the music business as long as I could and not get a regular job. So, so far, I managed to do that. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> One of the one of the um, I used to work in an office where every Friday we had Johnny Cash Fridays. Yeah. So we would just listen to Johnny Cash all morning. And one of my one of the most fascinating records I've ever heard is Live at Folsom Prison. Could you talk about the experience of playing in front of a thousand prisoners live in their in their prison? People ask me that question a lot. And I, I say, here's what I knew about the music business back then. When we talked about going to Folsom and recorded. I remember telling Bob Johnson, he was a, he was the main man putting it together back then, and I said, Bob, we can go out there and re- record, make a, a, we call it records then, at uh, Folsom, but I said, it won't pay for the tape <laughs> that it take to, to record it. So that's what I knew. Mm-hmm. It was the thing that started Johnny Cash to superstardom. Mm. That audience with that those prisoners, it was amazing. And that that year we did that was in sixty eight. We did Folsom. The next year we did uh, San Quentin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and the same thing happened to San Quentin. The the audience reaction of those inmates for some reason they liked Johnny Cash and what he did and it was the beginning of, of a, the big, big, big superstar Johnny Cash and like I say, the one in next year in uh, San Quentin and then the big TV show. Mm-hmm. So it just it just kept that's what I knew about it though. I, I said man, it won't pay for the tape and it was the thing that made it all happen. Well, Johnny had the natural ability just to connect with pretty much anybody through his music. I mean, they just seem to, everybody, I, you play a Johnny Cash for someone who hasn't heard Johnny Cash, and it just, the it just honesty in the man's voice. I think it's the drums, Jim. 
Yeah, oh, it's oh, a drum. Oh, of course it's a drums. I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> now, really, let me tell you, the fact is, <clears throat> another Perkins was no kin to Carl Perkins. They didn't meet till in 1955, but a boy named Luther Perkins. That guitar style that Luther Perkins played, I always thought and still do and always will. It was the big thing mm. that made Johnny Cash happen. Of course, later, the, the Tennessee 2 and the Tennessee 3, we had a totally different sound, but the guitar sound that Luther Perkins made, and the reason Luther was able to do it is because that's all he knew to do. It wasn't like a real good guitar player say, well, I'm going to do this or do that or do this or play a lot of stuff. It was the only thing he played, and it made Johnny Cash sound like Johnny Cash. That's amazing. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite Johnny Cash song? There is so many of my favorite Johnny Cash songs. I don't know that, that I can actually just pick one that's my favorite because he was such a great writer. There's a lot of things that a lot of people had never heard, but if you listen to the, the CD, the uh, album we made back home in Dice, Arkansas, the way he wrote about when he was a kid, and 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 now though, <clears throat> we we found out you can kind of play the Johnny Cash material. Uh, you can play it kind of rock and roll or mm -hmm. uh, blues style or whatever. So my I guess my favorite one to actually play that I have fun playing is Folsom Prison because mm -hmm. we play it kind of loud and 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 almost. Uh, uh, rock beat and we play it every, every night we play mm -hmm. so I guess it probably would be my favorite one to actually play but to listen to them there's so many I don't know what mm -hmm. would be my favorite one um, Jim and I were talking about over here my favorite is uh, One Piece at a Time One Piece at a Time because it's such a fun <clears throat> song Jim what was yours? Mine was a recent one he did not long before he passed it was a song called Hurt where it's just him and a piano, like the needle tears a hole. Uh, you know, where he's talking about How his about past. That boy? Yeah. <laughs> we need to get him in the band. Jim, Jim does voice acting, so yeah, that was later on American uh, Records, and at the time, people asked me uh, about that. Also, how do you feel about the the stuff he did later in life on American Records? And at the time, it was happening. Me and most people that were just really a diehard Johnny Cash fan didn't actually like it because it was so different. But I began to realize about it. Now, in, in the mid-'90s, we were playing to big, young audience again. See, we were playing shows that had the, the young people we started with in the, in the beginning – their kids mm -hmm. in the 90s was coming to see us, and it was like we were starting over again. And it was great. Then I began to realize, hey, that stuff he did on American Records at the end of his life is some of the greatest stuff he did. That's that's bottled lightning right there because that's what every band wants is to get those new fans. Yeah. They usually play to a group, and they get a following, and, that, and after a while they can't seem to connect, but... The music that uh, W.S. Holland and Cash and Perkins and all those guys did, 
every new generation is like discovering it and saying, man, this is cool. And I am so thankful for that because I go several times a year to Sun Records. They still have a recording studio mm-hmm. and to Nashville. And there, there'll be a group come in from Europe or Canada or somewhere and they want to come in and record at Sun mm-hmm. or in Nashville and I tell people don't ever tell them any different because in their mind they think if I play on their sessions that it'll make it better or different or something so I tell them don't ever tell them any different <laughs> <laughs> Amen um, So one last question about Johnny uh, we uh so, I, Jim, have you seen Walk the Line, the movie? Uh, not yet. I have. It there's, you know, it got kind of dark there in the middle for Johnny, and you had a front row seat for a lot of that. How can you talk to us about that? The the movie Walk the Line was a great, entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but far as it being real. Are just about the real Johnny Cash, they went a little overboard, I thought, with it, because uh, if you see every scene in the movie was about the crazy druggy Johnny, mm-hmm. and I, I made a, I made a, a kind of a joke to, to my friend that owns Cambria, <coughs> Marty Davis. He's a big Johnny Cash fan, and I've been working for him for quite a while, and. I said, "What I want to do when I, when I, <clears throat> when I get my my next extra ten million dollars, I want to do another Johnny Cash movie, and I want to have the good old boy Johnny Cash mm-hmm. in it that I knew, because they seem to leave him out of all of them. Mm-hmm. But that didn't keep him from being a big movie. But uh, the opening scene, if you know, he was." stumbling around and and it was like he he was on drugs and couldn't do his shows and all that see none of that actually happened i don't i don't ever remember there was a time that john couldn't do a show and remembered all the words and did it but if they had done it, it probably like the million dollar quartet thing if they'd have done it exactly like it was it, wouldn't have been it very, probably yeah. wouldn't have been as mm-hmm. uh, big a deal as it was well a lot of what those movies miss is the faith aspect i mean if you read the book go cat go that was written a, a few years ago about uh, like an autobiography of carl perkins yeah. uh it talks about uh uh carl meeting uh, uh mrs cash was it johnny's mother uh, the Lita, the Carters, the June and Carter, uh, the Carter family, yeah, and helped uh, pretty much uh, get his faith back in order. And faith was a real, real strong thread in all those guys. I mean, you, all you have to do is listen to the Million Dollar Quartet, yeah, to see how important faith was in these guys' lives. But you don't see a lot of that in the movies. Yeah. Well, let me tell you another thing: how lucky I was as far as Carl and all the guys. <clears throat> see, when I in 1960, when I went with John, a couple of years after that, we were playing a show down in, in Mississippi at the, at uh, one of the big colleges, and it was straight south. Instead of me going to Nashville or Memphis and drive down, 
I just drove down, and I hadn't seen Carl, and John hadn't seen Carl at that time in in a few years. And I go by and get Carl and a friend of mine, Tony Moore, to ride down to Mississippi with us. And we'll get down to Mississippi, get, walk in the dressing room. I said, John, look who I got with me here. And there was Carl, and they, you know, got up, and of course I could make a little bit of a joke out of it. They hug and kiss for a while because they hadn't seen each other <laughs> in three or four years. But I said to John at a point that night, I said, we need to get Carl, and, and Clayton was still with him then, to go out with us and, and play some shows. So that's how Carl got with the Johnny Cash band in the beginning. And and he stayed until the mid-'70s. So he threw all of the, the uh, prison shows and the big TV shows. So, again, look how lucky I was to be with both of them yeah. for all those years. And and I I have to say this, and when I talk to people, of all of the shows that went across the world, through around the world, doing shows that like in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, the Johnny Cash Show. When you went to the Johnny Cash Show with Carl Perkins opening the show, Statler Brothers doing what they did, and Carl and the Carter family doing what they did, intermission, and then Johnny Cash doing what he did. If you didn't like something, yeah, you didn't need to be at a place where they play music. <laughs> so I was so lucky to be with both of them all those many years. And we have been lucky to be sitting with you today, Mr. Holland. Uh, it's been our own fluke. It it is. This this whole project started on an odd circumstance, and now we're sitting here with with you. And, and so we we consider ourselves lucky to have been able to sit here with you today. Well, my pleasure, and thank you so much for coming. And if you get out and, and think of something that we might need to talk about later or something, just let me know. We can do it anytime. That is an amazing invitation. We are here at the home of W.S. Holland, living legend, drummer for Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins and Jim. This has been uh, probably one of the best interviews of my entire Amen. life. Amen. And you know, you guys out there listening, if you've never heard the Rockabilly sound, go out, buy a CD, uh, download whatever it is, anything by Johnny Cash, W.S. Holland, Carl Perkins, Roy Orbison, even Patsy Cline and let yourself into some history because you will never be the same after that. Well, Jim, that's true. And from our front porch to yours, this is our Jackson home. Today's show was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger and Jim Wilhelm. It was produced and edited by Jim Wilhelm. Bumper music supplied by Aaron Harden. And for more information on Our Jackson Home, or to suggest podcast guests or story ideas, visit us at www.ourjacksonhome.com. 